0: Hello, welcome to Songs in the Key of a podcast about songs These might be old songs, new songs or middle-aged songs Anything that takes my fancy really Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre or some other concept Other times they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands Those songs I can't get out of my head So let's get on with it In a recent episode of this podcast series, I took the theme of 1971 based on the fact that David Hepworth had written a book whose thesis revolved around that year being officially, absolutely and incontrovertibly the best year in music. I am rather envious of David Hepworth because he seems to have been born at exactly the right age to enjoy so much music as it emerged. Born in 1950, the same year as my mother, he would have been a teenager in the 60s, with the Beatles career accompanying him from the age of 12 to 20. In his early 20s, he would have enjoyed the full magnificence of prog rock, folk rock and David Bowie at his absolute height, And as he approached his thirties, punk would have exploded into his consciousness. 1950 was the perfect year in which to be born. In the year he considers to be the Annus Mirabilis for music, 1971, he would have been 21. Historically, the age at which you come of age and get the keys to the door. It got me thinking. Although I wasn't lucky enough to be a teenager for The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, The Who and The Kinks and didn't get to witness the emergence of prog, folk, rock and Bowie in my 20s or the thrill of punk as I approached my 30s, it might be interesting to see if there's any mileage in the theory that the music released when I was 21 has a particular significance to me. So that's what this episode is all about the songs in the key of the year in which i was 21 that year being 2001 so here we go let's start off with some context at the age of 21 i was in my second and then third year at lancaster university doing a combined honours degree in history and the contents of various record shops around the northwest of england I shared a student house with two fellow music obsessives by the names of Ewan and John, and also a chap called Lyndon, whose main interest was eating a particularly interesting delicacy that consisted of dried wheat with a light spreading of butter on the top. Lancaster University had its own nightclub off campus near the town centre called The Sugar House, which would attract a fine list of indie bands for gigs together with then-up-and-coming comedians Chris Addison, Ross Noble, Fielding and Barrett, Jimmy Carr. The bands we saw at the Sugar House were acts like Travis, the Blue Tones, Johnny Marr and the Healers and Phoenix, not to mention the Shire Horses. Meanwhile, back on campus, Summer Extravs provided the opportunity to see Idlewild and Jean In the wider world, of course, the year 2001 is forever associated with the terrorist attacks of the 11th of September of that year. Two planes hit the World Trade Center, a third hit the Pentagon, and a fourth, possibly bound for the White House, was downed in a field in Pennsylvania after passengers found out about the other hijackings and what was likely to happen on their plane. The 11th of September attacks put an immediate full stop on the rather complacent assumptions that we'd reached the end of history. Western liberalism had won the day and everyone was happy with the new status quo, hateful, evil, and horrendously unnecessary, as the acts of Al Qaeda were on that day and subsequent days, they did not come from nowhere. Most of the music released in 2001 predated these atrocities and the New World Order that followed. Nevertheless, maybe simply because we tend to look at the past through the lens of our current concerns, along with the ever-wonderful tool of hindsight, there are hints of a newfound gloominess throughout the music of this year, a sense of uncertainty and discomfiture. Long gone are the days of Blur and Oasis battling it out in the charts. Something rather more restrained, cautious and wary seemed to be emerging in much of the music that I, at least, was listening to in 2001. That said, let's start with Joe Strummer and the Mescarellos. Global Agogo was one of those albums that for a long while during the summer of 2001 I could not stop listening to. The rest of my CD collection could have been swallowed by a black hole and it wouldn't have mattered to me as I was absolutely obsessed with the album. The album from the former member of The Clash was his second outing with the Mescarellos. It was bright and optimistic and colourful, an absolute delight celebrating multicultural societies and basking in the splendour of the possibilities of unity. Nowhere is this optimism and sense of delight in inclusivity more pronounced than in the song Bindi barji which revels in the possibilities of multiculturalism through the medium of food. It opens with a description of an encounter with a man who has returned from New Zealand and is looking for mushy peas. Joe Strummer promptly explains, with the air of someone easing another out of their naivety, that mushy peas... Aren't really a thing around here anymore. But we do got Balti, Bindi, Strictly Hindi, Dal Halal, I'm walking down the road. We've got Roxol, Okra, Bombay, Dukra, Shrimp Bean Sprout comes with it or without. Bagel, soft or simply harder. Exotic Avocado or Toxic Empanada. We've got Aki, Alasi, Somali, Wacky Baki. I'm sure back home you know what Tika's all about. Listening back, it's easy to reflect that maybe it was Joe Strummer, not that chap returning from New Zealand, who was the more naive of the two in the story. A matter of weeks after the album's release, it quickly emerged that this sense of unity was only wafer thin, if that. But I still maintain that this is a beautiful vision of hope for a better future, where all kinds of ideas, thoughts, sounds and, yes, recipes are shared enriching everyone who embraces them well
1: I was walking down the high road and this guy stops me He just got in from New Zealand
0: and he was looking for mushy Got around here.
1: I said, but we do go deep in the strictly hidden down, down, and I'm walking down the road. We got rocks all. We got a key, wacky, wacky So back home, you what Tika's all about What Tika's all about Welcome, stranger To the humble neighborhoods You get inspiration along the high road Hummus, couscous, and the juice of butter, butter, butter
0: in 2001, a new sub-genre emerged bearing the name Quiet is the New Loud. Among the proponents of the self-explanatory musical style were acts like Cheering Breaks, whose album The Optimist came out that year, alongside January, who came from Alan McGee's post-creation Poptones label and released the gently mesmerising I Heard Myself in You, also in 2001. The subgenre got its name from, or gave its name to, I'm a little hazy on which came first to be brutally honest with you, the debut album by Kings of Convenience, a Norwegian double act whose songs should probably come with a warning not to listen to while driving or operating heavy machinery. Quiet as the New Loud is delicate and delicious and an altogether wonderful statement of calm intent which they have now spread across four studio albums. It's a mix of singer songwriter acoustic folk with a kind of jazz you might find emerging from the most bijou of Parisian cafes. The song I've plumped for is the fifth song on the album. It's called Failure. It is the definition of perfection, a shuffling percussion ever shifting beneath the drone of strings, muted trumpets and close harmonies of Erland Oi and Eirik Glambeck Bow and the lyrics, they're warm, uplifting and witty and perfectly matched to the music. Promise me, as soon as you finish listening to this podcast you will get your mitts on Kings of Convenience entire back catalogue. Go on, it's not long till Christmas, you deserve it.
1: Using the Guardian as a shield To cover my thighs against the rain I do not mind about my head, Your jacket may be waterproof But knowing the moment you get home You're gonna get those trousers changed Failure is always the best way to learn Retracing Steps till you know. Have no fear, your will heal.
0: In two thousand and one, two songs emerged which heavily drew from an obscure nineteen sixty nine tune by the Wallace collection called Daydream. That original was, as you might expect, of a song released at the end of the decade that brought us flower power, full of psychedelic whimsy and spaced out dreaminess. It also borrowed very heavily from the swan theme from Tchaikovsky's ballet Swan Lake. seems only appropriate that not one but two bands would later borrow heavily from the Wallace Collection song. The first of these was a band called iMonster, who featured their Daydream in blue with its heavy sampling of the Gunther Kalman Choir's version of Daydream on the 1998 album These Are Our Children. The thing was, for one reason or another, they didn't get round to releasing any songs from the album as singles until 2001. And the song they did end up releasing was Daydream in Blue. Daydream I fell asleep amid the flowers
1: For a couple of hours
2: On a beautiful
1: day I dream of I the
3: flowers for a couple of hours Such a beautiful
1: day on the You the
0: By which time Another band had also decided to play around with a trip-hoppy Folktronica take on Wallace Collection's Daydream for a song on their second album, Hot Shots 2. And that band was the Beta Band. The song was called Squares. Although the Beta Band song is much more than a simple remix of the Gunter Kaumann Choir's take on the original, the distinctive shimmering strings are still all present and correct. What's less present and correct is the summary, carefree feeling of swinging late 60s free peace, love and understanding. Squares reveals an anxiety-ridden world full of demons where still nobody cares. And it's that jarring juxtaposition of dreamy melodies with nightmarish lyrics that makes Squares at least one of my favourite songs of 2001.
2: I seen the demons but they didn't make a sound They tried to reach me but I lay upon the ground I seen the people but they didn't make a sound They tried to reach me but I gave the run around I reach your feelings. They didn't make a sound They tried to reach me But I lay upon the ground So miles and miles
0: Aren't, I think you'll agree, enough songs in this world featuring swanny whistles? Fortunately, Mano Cho did his bit in putting this right back in 2001 with the release of his album Proxima Extasión Esperanza, specifically on the song Me Gustas Tu, which translates from the Spanish as I Like You. It's a bouncy, optimistic piece of pop delivered in a variety of languages, and I, well, to be absolutely honest about it, I like it.
1: de la noche en la. 11 de la noche en Managua, Nicaragua Me gustan los aviones, me gustas tú Me gusta viajar, me gustas tú Me gusta la mañana, me gustas tú Me gusta el viento, me gustas tú Me gusta soñar, me gusta
0: Arthur C. Clark, I think I spent a lot of time buying full-priced albums by bands whose music I never heard. Given I was a student living off a relatively small amount of student loan, I'm not quite sure how I managed to do this with such alarming regularity, but there you go. One such album had a title which would no doubt have baffled most of my erudite tutors. It went by the name of If You Happy With... You Need Do Nothing. And it was the first album from the delightfully shambolic band Alfie, all mumbled, incoherent vocals, harmonicas and slovenly scraped strings. It's Just About the Weather, the second track from the album is a sprawling six-minuter of a tune that unwinds itself with the laziness of a Sunday morning. There's a gorgeous warmth to it, all cosy woolly hats and blankets. It is... In a nutshell, perfect student listening to accompany you as you leave through your dog-eared copy of Nausea, or stay up till 2 in the morning working on that essay about the Chartist that really needs to be in by 10 o'clock the following morning. Mostly associated with the Britpop era, largely thanks to Chris Evans' support on Radio 1 and TFI Friday, The Divine Comedy, aka Neil Hannon, delighted the nation with a series of singles in the late 90s, most notably Something for the Weekend" and Alfie from the album Casanova, and Generation Sex and National Express from Finder de siècle. I absolutely love The Divine Comedy. From the orchestration of the music through to the knowing wit and occasional pretension of the lyrics, sometimes it feels like Neil Hannan's whole act was created with me in mind. Liberation, the second album, for example, featured extended references to the works of F. Scott Fitzgerald, Anton Chekhov and William Wordsworth, while the third album, Promenade, featured one song that simply listed authors. Another that celebrated the allure of European cinema, And a third imagined the tense standoff between an atheist trapped on board a ferris wheel and God. Then, in 2001, something changed. 1998's Finder Sierkler had, the clue was in the title, marked the end of things. Not just the looming end of the century. It was the final Divine Comedy album, by a respective best of, to appear on the Setanta record label and the last for the time being to feature that distinctive chamber pop sound. Maybe Neil Hannon had been listening to too much Radiohead, although I'm not sure that's possible, but 2001's Regeneration, again, another helpful clue in the title, was an altogether different beast, more in the style of a traditional indie band, and with the gloom turned up to 11. They even borrowed Radiohead's long-standing producer Nigel Godrich, the occasion. The Divine Comedy had often had moments of darkness about them. Fen de Siercle had, after all, featured a song imagining all manner of end-of-the-world scenarios jostling with each other on a racecourse for supremacy, but it had all been done with the tongue firmly wedged in the cheek. Regeneration was more of a heart-on-sleeve, far less ironic record. It was bleaker. Take Eye of the Needle, for example. Just as with Don't Look Down from Promenade, it featured a man wrestling with God. But this time there were no raised eyebrows, no arch wit or clever observations. Eye of the Needle is delivered with a perpetual groan. It's an honest admission, from the son of a bishop no less, of a man's inability to find solace in faith. But the song I'm going to play for you now is Note to Self, which the film geek in me immediately warmed to owing to the use of the phrase restate my assumptions, which had appeared prominently in the jarring feature film debut from Darren Aronofsky, Pi, about a psychologically disturbed mathematician. Note to Self takes the form of a series of short diary entries from someone grappling with a series of existential quandaries and observations encompassing fears of loneliness, death and an individual's own relevance. The theme tune to Father Ted, this definitely is not.
2: assumptions
0: year that is to say 2021 radiohead have decided to mark the 20th anniversary of the release of amnesiac with a special box set edition of that album together with the preceding kid a which was recorded during the same sessions it comes with an extra disc of material carefully rescued from the cutting ring floor and goes by the name of kid amnesia both kid a and amnesiac represented a seismic shift from the preceding OK Computer, which I've talked about in some detail in previous podcast episodes. While that album boasted a huge, dramatic, bold vision of a forthcoming dystopian world, the two albums that followed seemed to reflect the fallout of the doom they had previously envisioned. Guitars gave way to distorted electronica that, in its own way, sounded unnerving and alienating before you absorbed a single word of the lyrics. For this episode, I've plumped for the final track of Amnesiac, a gloomy dirge featuring brass and clarinets swimming around Tom York's groaning vocals recalling something of a New Orleans funeral. It's called Life in a Glass House. One of the musicians to feature on the song is the jazz trumpeter Humphrey Littleton, known to pretty much all the listeners of Radio 4 as the host of the antidote to panel games I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. The show was a spectacular display of wit, silliness and absolute filth, featuring rounds where the lyrics of one song, for example, the Smith's girlfriend in a coma, would be sung to the tune of another. In the case of the Smith song, the tune in question was the music hall classic Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Other rounds involved riffing on puns that were as much a demonstration of spectacular genius as they were stomach-churningly groan-inducing. And then, of course, there was Mornington Crescent, a parlour game involving navigating your way around the London Underground map while taking care to avoid countless arcane restrictions, sanctions and prohibitions. It was all, of course, absolute nonsense. Less nonsensical, though, and more pure, unadulterated filth were Littleton's introductions to the point scorer, Samantha, which he read with such wide-eyed innocence and naivety that he could pretty much say absolutely anything he liked at quarter to seven in the evening on Radio 4 without incurring anyone's wrath. As usual, Samantha has been down in the gramophone library researching the team's records, aided and abetted by the two kindly old archivists, Curly Smith and Chalky White. Samantha was saying she's been helping them rearrange their work rosters recently. Chalky was getting a bit worried that Samantha might reduce his overtime shift, but cheered up when instead he saw her shorten (laughs) Curly's. Anyway, I digress. When not unleashing a tide of innuendo on the ears of the radio listening public, Humphrey Littleton, a descendant by the way of one of the gunpowder plotters, was a phenomenal trumpeter, leading various bands to a variety of sub-genres of jazz over an immensely long career. The story of Littleton's involvement with the Radiohead song was recorded by Mojo magazine. Eight months ago, Radiohead were in the midst of the lengthy recording sessions that preceded Kid A. However, one track in particular, a predictably free form experimental number called Life in a Glasshouse, was proving tricky to complete. Unable to find a solution, guitarist Johnny Greenwood sat down and wrote a letter to the man he believed could help them out Humphrey Littleton, septuagenarian, jazz trumpeter, and presenter of Radio 4's long running panel show I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. It's probably an awful cheek and we're sure you're very busy," read Greenwood's suitably deferential missive, but we're a bit stuck. Such politeness paid off, and with Littleton's help, Life in a Glass House was eventually completed last summer. It's now set for release on Kid A's successor Amnesiac, due for release on the 4th of June. Inevitably, Littleton, who during the 1950s was at the forefront of the trad Jazz movement in Britain, had never heard of Radiohead before their collaboration. After borrowing OK Computer from his daughter and a brief meeting with Greenwood, the trumpeter and his usual quintet joined the rest of the band at a recording studio in Bayswater. The result is a startlingly brilliant piece of music, drawing an end to a superb album. It wails and wanders. There's a gorgeous sombre eloquence to it that lifts the soul while rooting around in the depths of misery, paranoia and dystopian gloom and doom. Just listen to this. Once again, I'm in trouble. Keys has a phenomenal vocal range, but at the same time there is an eloquent understatement to it. Hers is not the kind of caterwauling required of every single contestant on the endless stream of Pop Factor Voice Academy shows we've all come to know and avoid at all costs. When she hits those high notes, it's because she needs to, rather than because she can or because she feels she has to show off. One of her absolutely finest moments came early in her career on 2001's debut Songs in a Minor. Fallin' is an exploration of a very real relationship. It's not the hearts and roses of a million love songs you could hear elsewhere. It's a song that recognises the ups and downs of a relationship oh oh i never felt this way how do you give me so much pleasure and cause me so much pain just when i think i've taken more than would a fool i start falling back in love with you and it's this rising and falling in the nature of the relationship which is perfectly mirrored in her vocals rising and falling climbing and plummeting there are rich shimmering strings and a rolling piano And it's all just gorgeous. that thing music snobs say about I prefer their early stuff? Well, get ready, Elbow, I prefer their early stuff. That's not to say I don't get very excited at the prospect of a new release from the boys from Berry, but there's something about their first two albums in particular, Asleep in the Back and Cast of Thousands, that leaves me in danger of melting into a puddle. I think Asleep in the Back was one of those albums I picked up and bought without having heard a single note. I may have actually read a review, but possibly not even that. I'm very glad I did, though. Asleep in the Back is mesmerising. There is something so emotively beautiful about Guy Garvey's vocals on this album. The words seem to fall out of his mouth effortlessly, almost dribbled out. And then... At other times, he'll strain up to the skies, taking his voice to the very limits of its range. The song from the album I've picked is Powder Blue, an understated, tender love song with a beautiful rolling broken chord motif on the piano. It's one for couples who have been through the mill together and are all the stronger for it. Guy Garvey explained the story behind the song in an interview with the online music magazine Drowned in Sound. I saw a couple who were both withdrawing from whatever it was they were addicted to in Drybar one day. I noticed a tenderness between the two, despite them obviously being strung out. It was a very romantic, but a rather dark situation. Which goes somewhere. Towards explaining lines like this verse, stumble through the crowds together. They're trying to ignore us. That's okay. I'm proud to be the one you hold when the shakes begin. Sallow-skinned, starry-eyed, blessed in our sin.
3: Your eyes are just like black spiders. Your hair and dress.
0: 2001 marked a kind of silver jubilee of punk, and in honour of the occasion a bunch of bands emerged who tried, with various degrees of success, to capture the back-to-basics vitality of garage rock. There were, for example, the Datsuns, the D4, the Hives and the Strokes. When interviewing the drummer Wolf Howard for my book about music in Medway, he remembered how he and his bandmates had often dismissed this generation of new wave wannabes with the collective name of The Strives. Perhaps most notable among these bands seeking to revive the fortunes of noisy, angular, no-frills guitar music were the White Stripes, who were, for all their volume, a duo, Jack and Meg White. Much was made of their relationship at the time in the slow news season of the summer of 2001. Were they brother and sister? Were they husband and wife? Were they exes? Just who were they? One thing was undeniable. They were pretty exciting to listen to. The singles were immediate crowd pleasers. Hotel Yorba fell in love with a girl and Dead Leaves in the Dirty Ground, all brimmed with a thrashing, unbridled energy, a heavily distorted guitar, and drums and cymbals smashed to smithereens. But the song I've picked for this outing is The Union Forever, because as with that Divine Comedy choice I picked on earlier, there's a film connection, that film being Citizen Kane. Almost every single word from the song is lifted directly from the Orson Welles classic. All those lines like, well sure, I'm CFK, but you gotta love me. Well I'm sorry but I'm not interested in gold mines oil wells shipping or real estate and what would I like to have been everything you hate they all come from that film about that man definitely not based on William Randolph Hearst he starts out brimming with optimism and idealism and is slowly corrupted by all the wealth he amasses it is magnificent and it goes like this you yeah. 2001. I hope you enjoyed them. Let me know what you thought by responding to my post for this episode on Instagram. That's at songs in the key of. Did I miss some absolute blinders from that year? How does the music from the year in which you turned 21 reflect your general appreciation of music? I'll be back with songs in the key of something or someone or other else sooner or later. In the meantime, have a marvellous few days and nights we need again. Be
1: love, for there is no true love, it can't love, for there is no true love. There is a man, a certain man. For the poor you may be sure that he'll do all he can Who is this one whose favorite son Just by his action has the traction magnets on the run Who likes to smoke, enjoys a joke And wouldn't get a bit upset if he were really broke With wealth and fame, he's still the same I will bet you 5 five and not alive if you don't know his name